This is Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Master Mover, Dana Wilson. And if you're someone that loves to learn, laugh, and is looking to rewrite the starving artist story, then sit tight, but don't stop moving, because you're in the right place. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very, very special Father's Day bonus episode of Words That Move Me. I am super jazzed about this because I am super currently holding my phone that is connected to my dad, who is in Hopi, Arizona. Dad, say hi to everybody. Hey, hey. hi, everybody. Ah, well, Daddy-O, thanks for joining me. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time away from Saving Tooth Lives to talk to me here on the podcast. Um, I'm jazzed about it. How is your day going so far? Yes, yes, yes. My day on the Hopi Reservation is going quite well. It's a beautiful day here on the res, about 85 degrees and just a breath of uh, breeze. Uh, and that's highly unusual because it's usually a sustained 35 mile an hour wind. Oh, well, I'm glad that you are getting a, a breeze free moment. Although you do look so good when you're wind blown. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, I thought it would be fun today to do a little cross interview. So I have some questions prepared for you. And I, I think, I hope you have some questions prepared for me. I do. Okay, very cool. Who who wants to start? Do you want to start? Or should I start? Oh well, um, since I'm the elder, yeah. why don't I go first? Okay, go. Okay, so my first question for you, my daughter, is: What is your best childhood memory? Uh, okay, my best childhood memory, and one of my fondest, oddly because it also includes a, a a moment that was not so pleasant, was when we took a family trip to Hawaii, something to do with a dance yeah. competition, a showstoppers competition, I think. And there was like a yep. tiki night and I there was a buffet of some sort and we were going through the buffet and I grabbed some papaya, I think. And I think you told me that it would be very delicious and I should try it. And I remember trying it and it tasting like a foot to me. And I very much did not like papaya at all. That is simply one of the first memories that came to my mind, but it's a fond memory because it's a fond memory because although I did travel a lot as a kid, we didn't take that many full family trips. Mom was a flight attendant, um, and we traveled a bit with grandma and grandpa and sometimes just one of the siblings, but that was a full family event. And I, <laughs> I even remember the elevator bay somehow, the elevator bay of that hotel. I don't know how, how old wow. I must have been, maybe six or seven. Yeah. Very, very young, and I, too, remember that trip uh, to Hawaii, but it's interesting that I have no recollection of the buffet. <laughs> My recollection uh, is of uh, the football game. Oh. <laughs> that was, uh, that was uh, the whole purpose of, uh, of going over there, because as I remember that it was the, um, oh, gosh, it was the, 
some type of all-star game, and I can't, I think it was um, the NFL for the life of me, isn't that crazy, I cannot remember, I do remember being in the stadium, and uh, I do remember uh, you and Adri performing, that was, that was a great, great memory, that's for sure. That was a good trip, um, actually, that, I, you and I are on, are so on the same page, my next or one of my questions to you is, tell me about a memory that you have of being my dad. <laughs> well, I have, I have uh, two memories that really, that really stand out when I think back um, to, you know, you growing up. And um, one memory is the, uh, uh, you know, we, we always had um, you guys involved in, dance and, and uh, you know, competitions and um, those types of things uh, early on, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I think you were, you were three uh, at the time, and um, it was your first win, if you will, at this competition. Mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, having a picture taken of you with the trophy of me uh, and then kneeling down. You were, you were... Um, about the size of the trophy. <laughs> yeah. I think I have this photo. I'm going to have to share it. I'll make sure to share it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a very, very fond memory um, for, uh, for, for me. And, you know, because uh, you, you won the competition. And um, one of the very worst memories I have oh, God. Um, of you growing up, yeah, was when you fell and broke your arm. And um, I was um, at work at the time, and somehow you you got notified uh, me through nine one one, or I don't know how it was that I was notified. But I came down to the hospital and um, saw your X ray of that uh, uh, broken arm, and it just absolutely crushed me. Yeah, bones break, Daddy O. That's it's a thing yes, that, you that happens. Yes, I did. Oh gosh, I remember that day too. I was very upset that they cut off yeah. my pants and my shirt, and I was very upset because those were my favorite pants, and that was one of my favorite shirts. Oh. And at the time, I don't know if you recall this, but I very much did not like shopping because I very much did not like the way that clothes felt and fit my body. And I had found these pants and this shirt that I really, really loved, and those guys just cut them off because the truth was you could not uh take the shirt off uh the way that the shirt usually comes off because there were bones sticking out of the arm so i think they were going for uh the path of least resistance and they i did have to go under general anesthesia for them to set it i remember waking up from that with a very, very sore throat from being intubated and um, having to use the restroom very, very badly because I, I guess the incident happened when I was on the way home from school, which would have put it about two 30 in the afternoon. And then I woke up at something like 9 PM and hadn't, hadn't used the facilities yet. (laughs) That was a bad memory, but um, yeah, those things, you know, those are, those are things that, that, that stick out in, in my mind. Okay, I go next. Yes. Um, number two, what one individual personal quality set you apart from all others who auditioned for your first Justin Timberlake tour? Oh, okay, cool. I, 
oh man, that is a great question. Wow, dad, that is like super journalist level question. Um, <laughs> I believe, well, you get ready because your next one's hard too. Um, okay. I believe that the thing that set me apart most in that situation was my relationship with Marty Kadelka. I, I, you know, he had asked me if I would assist him on the tour, but I remember feeling a moment like a fork in the road. Like I need to make sure he knows that I want to dance. And I remember having a conversation with him where I said, I, I really want to dance. And he was surprised. He seemed to believe, and this is so not, not uncommon that um, an assistant choreographer ranks higher than a dancer in the hierarchy of the entertainment world. Um, the dancers are called the talent, and then there's the creatives, right? The choreography team and the directors and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, right. he he believed that I was excited to be part of the the choreography team versus creative wanting team. to be a yeah. performer. So it was a huge. Moment where I let him know, and once he knew, he said, "Okay, get out there, audition with everybody else." And I auditioned uh, with everybody else, but I do believe it's our our rapport and our friendship that was um, the thing that that really sealed the deal for me. Wow! I think I should that's ask great. him. I should ask. Him. I should ask him. <laughs> you've always been so. So. So if that's the case, where you know you've got talent, and then you've got the creation. At, w at what point did you feel um, like moving from a dancer to a choreographer? Um, it's interesting. I don't think there was ever one shift. Um, even still today, I consider myself a dancer first, but I get most excited mm. about making things. Um, yeah. And usually the way that my world works, especially right now, given our kind of lockdown COVID circumstances, I am the one to be dancing my own work. Um, and so I, I get to have both most of the time. And I think that's the way I like it. <laughs> so, you're a, so you are a choreo dancer. I am a choreo dancer. Yes, indeed. <laughs> a choreo dancer okay. teacher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here, this one's a doozy. Are you ready? I'm letting you know I might yeah, cry. Ready. Okay, so I read something online recently. It was a tweet or a thing or something that a woman posted. And this is a woman that I do not know. But she said, is there anything we can do to make Father's Day less awful for those of us that don't have our fathers anymore? And I thought I would pose that question to you. How, how do you think you would answer that question? It's a tough one. I told you I'm sorry. I'm sorry to do this to you. <laughs> well, you know how emotional I get to. I know, daddy -o. One of my favorite memories of you being my dad when we grew up is that you cried every time we watched Rescue 911. <laughs> you, it's, it's. Yeah, you know, losing anyone, you know, in your family is horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, but of course, losing your father is, um, the, the epitome of of you know emotional trauma. You know, I'm looking back to when when I lost my dad, mm -hmm. and uh, gosh, it's been 
It's been 15 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, everybody, uh, you know, deserves a dad. And uh, I'm just glad that I'm still around for you. Me too, Dad. Me too. I'm glad, and I'm so glad that we're getting to have this conversation, and I'm glad that I'm getting to record it with my phone and this microphone, and I can have it forever. No more, no more tough questions. Okay, I promise. But I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at answering that question. I am not a parent, and I actually have trouble wrapping my head around how I would teach a child about a parent leaving or death itself. But I will never forget, and I love the way that Adrian, my sister, taught her daughter, little Millie, my niece, your granddaughter. Adrian taught Millie that when somebody dies, their body goes away, but they live in our hearts and in our minds forever. And so... To someone who doesn't have a father with them in body today, I would say to have a moment with them in your heart and in your mind. And in my case, I'm having one with you in my hand. You're in my phone and in my heart and in my mind. And it makes me so emotional because I love you so much. It's a big, big feel. And um, I'm here we are both feeling big feels in a puddle on the floor on a microphone. <laughs> well, I, all I can say is yes. I, 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 I've got such a special way to to teach your your daughter, you know, about about the circle of life, and yeah. I'm just really, really proud to be your dad. <sighs> Dida, I am proud to be your your tiny dancer. <laughs> oh, that's a funny story, by the way. <laughs> Every time it comes on, I turn it up. <laughs> To at least nine. I remember being around a big group of people when I was leaving you a message one day, and I called and I said, "Hey, D Daboba, it's your TD. Um, just calling to say I love you." And I hung up the phone, and my, my friends were like, "Okay, number one, who is who is D Daboba?" <laughs> and number two, what is a TD? And I was like, "Oh, I am my dad's tiny dancer." Period. The end. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Okay. You always told me. Okay, whose turn is it? Is it my turn? Your turn. Go. Okay. Um, where do you see yourself in one year, five years, and ten years? Ooh, good one. Okay. Um, in one year, I see myself with a... Hmm. With a business which is centered around um, movement coaching, and um, I see Daniel and I preparing to buy a building. Wow! Um, in five years, Daniel, Daniel and I will be in that building, and we will be bursting at the seams. I will be in need of more space because I'll have a massive team and a company and a, we'll be putting on shows and Daniel will have more CNCs and 3D printers and 
laser cutters than we have space for. And at that five-year mark, we'll be ready to ready for more space. And then in the 10-year mark, I see us living in what I call the Emerald City. The Emerald City to me is a warehouse, a workshop that's big enough that we can have our own little domestic tiny little house inside of it. And it'll have a white picket fence and an astroturf and a dog and we'll garf, we'll garf cart. We will golf cart from one side of it to the other to uh, visit each other in our separate workstations. <laughs> fantastic plan and I can envision it uh, you know happening I, I know exactly what it is that you guys you know want to do and, and I hope that that uh, you can still do that in, in California that it's not so crazy and uh, you can you know see your dreams fulfilled there and that, that would be great so the, the obvious question that I have with regard to follow-up would be yes. if you get a dog Oh my God, Dad, that is a great question. And it's really difficult to answer because Daniel and I, who see eye to eye on just about everything, seem at odds when it comes to uh, breed preference on the dog front. So I I know, I know. I mean, there is only one dog. There is only one dog. Shall we say it at the same time? I'll count down from three. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one. English, English bulldog. <laughs> yes. There was some <laughs> lag there, but that's that's the only kind of dog that I see. Um, it's the only kind of dog. A bobo. That's what it has to be for me. However, yeah, Daniel favors brains over brute. Daniel would prefer a smart oh. dog. I would prefer a stupid dog. Um so Daniel is in favor more of the like German Shepherd or uh, a Lab or uh, some even even a mutt, somebody that's smarter than a lump on a log bulldog whose favorite thing to do is drool and fart. Yeah, that's exactly why you love them. And and you've got if you have the the Emerald City, I mean, with the with the warehouse approach, the the, the bulldog can't get anything dirty. I mean, That's he true. Slobber on all, all over walls, and you won't even know it's there. And because the Emerald City will be massive, we can probably have both. Yeah. And um, because of our so, preferences, they'll probably both have hip dysplasia, and require <laughs> I, I'm all sorts of special attention. Really, truly, if we do the dog thing, we'll probably adopt, and we'll find a a mutt, and we'll find a, a little doggo that needs a home. But you and I both know yeah. there is, there's, it is a very there's, special there's experience. No experience. There's no experience <laughs> quite like one. No, no. Um, okay. Final questions okay. here. This, this one's okay, my turn okay. and then you do your last one. So this might okay. be, this might be a tough one. We might be opening up the thing, but this is an opportunity to pass down all the wisdom in the world. My question is, oh. what is the most important thing you learned from your dad? Thing that I hope to impart to you would be uh, the quality of critical thinking so that when something comes your way, you can uh, define it, you can identify it, you can um, disassemble it, mm-hmm. reassemble it, and make uh, decisions based on critical thought. Ah, daddy-o. 
I love this answer. In fact, it was just last week's episode that I talked about the Socratic method and Socratic questioning. <laughs> well, Socrates was a great man. Oh, <laughs> turns out his uh, his questioning methods put him strongly out of favor of the majority of the community, and he was put to death as a result of being of being the not so popular guy at the Acropolis. Okay, do I have one last one? Yes, hit me. What single event pushed you to move to Los Angeles? <gasps> Whoa. That is a great question. I, <laughs> there, there was obviously a strand of several small events, but I think the one moment where I knew that I had to yeah. do it was after school yeah. one day watching music videos in front of the TV, and I, I'm not so proud of this, but the music video that I was watching to today's standard is not like an earth-shatteringly, remarkably cool music video. Um, but it, it, something about it really got me jazzed. The dancers were wearing knee pads and cut off shorts and they looked so cool. And I was like, that, I want to do that. And oddly enough, I have never worn knee pads or cut off shorts in a music video. (laughs) Um, But I have I have done things and been a part of projects beyond my wildest dreams. And um, certainly I have that moment among many things to thank for that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, though, when when you came to me and you said that I'm moving to Los Angeles, I wish I had a picture of the expression that uh, <laughs> would have come across my face. First of all, my jaw, my jaw dropped to the floor. Oh yes, obviously. Oh yes. And then the next question, the next thing out of my mouth was, I, as I remember it, would would have been Dana. Why can't you do what you want to do in Denver? Mm, you probably did ask me that question. A lot of people ask me that question. And yeah, why I, do you have to go all the way out there to crazy La La Land in order to pursue your dream? That was a crusher. I bet for you and Mom both. What a scary, what yeah. a scary thing. It's scary for for us as your parents, but but I can't imagine the maybe. Were you fearful of making the move, or was it just an exciting adventure? It was really an exciting adventure, and I had. A, a best friend in each arm as I made the drive. We actually caravaned out. I don't know if you remember, but it, you know, on that unified front, it felt like nothing could stop us from wow. from really doing it. You know, so yeah, I was and excited. Do you, remember, do you remember what car you drove? The Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> the Beetle that you taught me how to drive a stick shift in that car, and that yeah. is the car yeah. that that. The black that brought me to LA. It's the car that got me through my first yeah. year, and it is the car that yeah. I totaled on Magnolia and yeah. Woodman when I was going through a yellow and yeah. somebody was turning left. Yeah, and I was, were, I, I was on the phone with you when that on happened. The phone with me at the time. <gasps> Whoa. You were on the phone with me at the time it happened, and I was absolutely distraught for a number of hours before you could. Um, let me know what had happened, and it was just horrible. 
Oh, Dad. I, oh, probably worse than watching me move to L.A., I would imagine. Yeah. It was not a good, uh, it was not a good sound uh, when you got disconnected. Oh, Dida. On, on the note of worst sound, can you tell me, other than, yeah. um, I, is, I do think it is important that the audience know that when I was a baby, I carried the nickname The Hornet because I was angry and cried a lot. Um, but I would love to know, what is one of your favorite sounds? Oh, um, one of my favorite sounds is a V8 engine at 8,000 RPMs. <laughs> Great answer. I love that answer. <laughs> um, I, I would have to say that one of my favorite sounds is the sound of Daniel clacking away on his key, his mechanical keyboard at work. Um, he's got such a distinct typing sound. It's like little tiny hammers. Yeah. <laughs> it's very impressive and cool. <laughs> and I just, thinking about it brings a smile to my face. That's one of the neatest sounds for me. But music, as you know, um, is still in my heart. And um, I will, you know, um, never ever regret, uh, you know, the time that you know I was in um, the band and and uh, played music. And to this day, I I uh, anytime I'm driving uh, and turn on the Sirius uh, radio, I always go to uh, the '70s and listen to the best music ever made. <laughs> That is that dad is a wonderful segue to talk about your group, the Sons of Beethoven. What instrument did you play in in the group, the Sons of Beethoven? <laughs> I played um, I, I played uh, rhythm guitar, mm -hmm. and um, I'll never ever forget this because um, at the time I was able to well, dad bought me um, a Rickenbacker twelve string which was the same uh, guitar that the, the birds used when they did Mr. Tambourine Man. And um, uh, that was just uh, the, the neatest guitar uh, ever. Um, George Harrison of the Beatles uh, used one uh, in their early music, uh, a 12-string also. And so to have one of those in the band was great. I, I played uh, rhythm guitar there. And then uh, after uh, a while, I moved from rhythm guitar to bass. Uh, guitar and um, had a uh, Hoffner bass just like Paul McCartney did. So it was uh, a great, great time. The the memories that I have of those years, uh, really from from uh, seventh grade, um, and so I was like twelve. From the time I was twelve till the time I was, you know, eighteen, was spent. You know, every weekend we would play reservoir dances or. I remember, you know, Battle of the Bands. Uh, those are the types of things growing up in Boulder that that uh, I remember most. And we would always play at uh, our high school dances, uh, our junior high dances, um, and uh, it was a tremendous opportunity to, uh, you know, experience, you know, the entertainment side of uh, life. Of course, I never got to the level you achieved, but. Um, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I still miss, uh, you know, all the guys in the band. Do you play ever? Do you have? Do you still have guitars around the house? Yeah, um, I still play, but uh, I don't have near the um, 
talent <laughs> that I used to. You know, one of the uh, band members, uh, uh, I believe, is out in California right now, and, and uh, his name is Pat Hubbard. And uh, Pat uh, was the genius behind everything, and he was the true musician uh, with us. And uh, um, it was uh, all because of Pat that we were able to take a record and listen to it and figure out the chords and mm-hmm. um, figure out uh, how it was that we were going to, you know, master this thing. And uh, so I would, uh, you know, uh, listen to Pat as he would tell me it was D, E, F, A minor, E minor, you know, all of those types of things. And, and uh, but after, after school, uh, every day we practice on the weekends, we practice and, uh, um, that's how uh, I remember my uh, junior high and high school years. That is so cool, Dida. One of the things that really struck me in my adult life uh, relating to music is that I stumbled upon the Beatles as an adult, and I remember playing the White Album and knowing all the words to it. I remember being like, oh, let me try this one. This one looks cool. I I must have been 18. And I listened to the White Album and I knew all the words, which was so shocking because I thought I was hearing it for the first time. Turns out, obviously, that is the music yeah. that was coming through your car speakers and around the house right. while I was growing up. Right. And I knew it, right. it was in there like it was really in there and it, it was this out of body experience to be singing along to a song that I thought I was hearing for the first time yeah one of the neatest things for me uh, as a musician was to um, realize that that uh, a generation later you know you and, and Adrian and Taylor all uh, appreciated the Beatles music and that's what for me was so formational I mean mm-hmm. they were they were I don't know I mean once in a hundred year type of you know band mm-hmm. and uh, the music that, that they that they created is still in my mind as good today 60 years later yeah yeah <laughs> 60 but 55 yeah 55 years later is as good as the day it was written right and that's a true hallmark you know if you think of the, the bands that are, you know, are kind of a flash in the pan, you know, they might have done well for a year or two, but in a very short period of time, like, you know, from 63 to 70, maybe seven or eight years, the Beatles, what the Beatles have done and what they accomplished and what they did for the musical industry is beyond what anyone has ever done, I think. I think you might be right. I don't know if I'm the gal to say it yeah. because it's, I certainly am not a music historian, but I know that music struck such a chord in you and and still vibrates through my bones right now. It brings people together and uh, it's what makes people laugh and makes people cry. Indeed. Indeed, my Dida. Well, perhaps on that note, we sign it off and um, wish yeah. everybody a Father's Day that's full of music and love and yes, even tears if that is what it brings for yeah. you um, man, dad I, I love you so much, I'm so grateful for, for this conversation, yeah, you for your love yeah um, I hope that uh, we get a million listeners <laughs> I do too, I also hope that we can um, have better luck with Zoom next time, although I'm so not mad at okay, holding my yeah. phone between my face and the microphone <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love you to bits, daddy -o. Have a great rest of your day. Okay, I love you too. Say hi bye to Daniel. Okay, bye. Bye.